0: Happy weekend. We made it. We made it through another week of our daily dystopia. It is episode number 11 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. As always, I would like to remind all of you that you can find the Sports Kiki Podcast wherever Outsports Podcast can be found. We are proud to be part of the Outsports Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Every Saturday, a new show is ready for your listening and downloading pleasure. And... We have a lot to talk about today. We'll be joined by Outsports co-founder Sid Ziegler for a conversation about the NFL draft and uh, the need or necessity for there to be an out and openly gay NFL player. Because for many years, and especially as I was coming up through college and in my early 20s, so let's say five years ago or so, that was the big dominant conversation point when it came to a lot of lgbt sports issues when would we have the first major professional athlete come out in the male sports and more specifically especially around michael sam in the nfl draft time in 2014 when would we have the first star openly gay active nfl player come out and then you had michael sam who was drafted you had jason collins come out in the nba around that time as well you had more prominent male athletes in male sports, male team pro sports in particular, coming out, and that seemed to be kind of the next big wave in the LGBT movement, the LGBT sports movement as well, but it didn't really materialize, and here we are in 2020, there is an openly gay NFL draft prospect, Scott France, he's an offensive lineman for Kansas State, he could get taken in the later rounds this weekend, Uh, we'll talk to Sid about that as well, but Ultimately, I just don't think it's a dominant story right now, and I don't even think it's all that important. We're kind of tired of waiting for that, and I don't even know if that's necessary for there to be this prominent, out, openly gay star athlete in one of the professional sports. I mean, how it's going to happen, I think, is a player will be out in either high school or college, he'll rise to the pro level, and that'll be that. The team that drafts him will draft him knowing that he's gay. And that's how it works. I mean, that's how it's worked in women's sports for years with the WNBA. I mean, they just draft players who are openly gay. They say what they identify as, and, and that's it, and everyone moves on. So I think that is the inevitable direction we'll be going towards. But it still is an interesting conversation to have. It always sparks a lot of debate, so don't want to miss that. Sid Ziegler coming up uh, a bit later on. But just a few things I want to get off my chest first at the start of the show this week, uh, one has to do, and, and we'll lead off with it, just our idiotic, stupid president who now wants us to inject uh, disinfectants uh, inside of us to treat the coronavirus. Uh, I know, I know, I know. He says he's sarcastic, because Donald J. Trump when he has one of the great uh, sarcastic wits of all time. Uh, we all know that. Uh, but it's just, it's just so maddening to me. And I host a podcast every week with a friend of mine, Jerry Callahan, my old sparring partner on WEI in Boston. And He's totally out to lunch. He's totally crazy. Um, And anybody who still supports Trump through this, I just say, how can you watch these cluster bleep press briefings, these dumpster fire press briefings that are not informative at all and are just him taking shots at reporters and spreading reckless, dangerous, and ridiculous misinformation? Like, Yeah inject yourself with disinfectant, drink bleach, inject yourself with UV light. Can we Can we see if we can do that? Dr. Burks? like, what is going on here? This man is an abject moron. And even if you like his policies, if you like all the Federalist Society judges he and McConnell have rammed through over the last three years, even if you like all that, how can you feel good watching him up there prattle on and on every single day for hours every day and say, yeah, this is the guy I want in charge of our response to the most deadly pandemic we've seen in at least 100 years. <laughs> How do, this is the man who I want leading the way here. This is a man of great patience. This is a man of great knowledge. This is a man of great understanding. I mean, are you kidding me? How can anybody have confidence in this? And I just love the notion. And, and this is something that we all should have seen coming. I, I mean, it, to me, the mainstream media, and there's been a lot of talk this week about the New York Times, who just puts out one egregious headline after another when it comes to these Trump press briefings. They had one on Friday about a Trump's uh, plea to inject ourselves with disinfectant. I mean, it was it, it's, it's so crazy. It was I have it right here at a White House briefing. This is the tweet at a White House briefing. President Trump theorized dangerously in the view of some experts about the powers of sunlight, ultraviolet, ultraviolet light and household disinfectants. To kill the coronavirus. Really? I mean, that's like you know (laughs) know, I jumped off my roof and thought I could fly. Experts disagreed. (laughs) Who I wonder who be who who wound up being right? Me, the Rube, who jumped off my roof thinking I could fly, or the experts who said no, I couldn't. I bet you the experts would be right in that aspect. And it is just so irresponsible and so ridiculous for the New York Times and the White House press corps as a whole as a whole, to, to, to normalize this guy. And I know that word gets overused, but it does. I mean, a headline like that normalizes him, and that's a great irony for Trump. He hates the media. He hates the White House press in particular. He hates the New York Times worst of all. But the thing is, they're his best friends. They're his biggest aiders and embedders. They help him. Every time they write a headline or a tweet like that, CNN, his least favorite news network, helps him every time they air these rambling, stupid press conferences uninterrupted. These media outlets that he loves to rail against, they prop him up. They do his bidding. They make him seem like a smart, real person who has cogent thoughts. He doesn't. He doesn't. And I, I, for the last five years since he went down that godforsaken escalator, so many people who know otherwise have, have have been lying. I mean, they've been, even those who claim to cover the White House objectively and toughly, and oh, we ask the tough questions, and there's no doubt there's been some great White House reporting done by a lot of New York Times staffers as well. But just, oh man, it's just tiring. Just the normalization of this fool. That's what he is, a fool. And on the right There's this idea that some rube like Sean Hannity or, you know, our great economic leaders like Larry Kudlow or Wilbur Ross. Let's reopen the country when Wilbur Ross says it's safe. That's what I think we should do. I mean, these are people who probably can't even spell epidemiology, didn't know what an epidemiologist did until two months ago. And now they talk about like they know more about this than the scientists who have dedicated their entire lives studying infectious diseases. But you know that's where the republican party is on a lot of these scientific measures climate change chief among them of course so i don't mean to turn this into a political ranting and raving podcast a preaching sermon podcast but the idiocy and the lack of acknowledgement of the idiocy of the idiocy is just it's going to it's very dangerous it's very dangerous As we are seeing now. And yeah, I mean, I think some of it at first glance, you go, oh, that's a little over the top. I mean, do I really need to wear a mask when I'm standing outside my own home? Uh, Maybe not. But keep in mind, a lot of these precautions that they say are overly stringent to get the message across. And B, these are the scientists, these are the experts, these are the people who have studied this stuff. I have no idea about this stuff. I've not studied it like they have, few have. So I will listen to them, I will listen to the experts rather than just speak out of my ass. I do enough of that anyway. Like, that's what we are probably here for the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> before we get to Sid, I do, though, want to change it to sports and commend the NFL for putting on the draft the first round Thursday night, continuing Friday night and through the weekend. It, it, is, it is a reminder that even in these barren, di- barren, dystopian times, we still must find a way to do some normal things. And that's why, again, I applaud the NFL – for going forward with the draft. Despite the bad optics, the criticism, Adam Schefter said, There's carnage in the streets. And then Schefter was tweeting about how excited he was to have a live sporting event back. I guess he missed the WNBA draft last Friday, but that's uh, for another discussion. Um and you know, as I was watching it Thursday, the first round, you know, I, I should have been enraged when I saw Jerry Jones in his two hundred and fifty million dollar super yacht with the all white Furniture, all white walls, <laughs> looking like exactly like a place where you think Jerry Jones would sit. Uh, you know, I saw Cliff Kingsbury in his posh $4.5 million uh, contemporary masterpiece while tens of millions of Americans are uh, waiting in line at food banks. We have at least 26 million unemployed. I, I should have been enraged when I saw all of that, but I don't know. I didn't. I mean, I wanted to see Jerry Jones in a $250 million yacht, like I just did. And, you know, Goodell said leading up to this that the NFL is intent on providing a distraction for us. And we all know that, you know, I think the likelihood of setting record TV ratings probably had more to do with his decision to go forward than uh, any sort of benevolence. (laughs) But nonetheless, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And I know that hope can be a little bit of a cheesy concept, but we do need a little bit of it. And this week, from spending time thinking about the Patriots trading Gronk and Gronk and Brady teaming up in Tampa, it just, once again, just allowed us to think about a regular NFL season, a regular fall where we can leave the house, we don't have to wear a mask. I liked it. I liked it. I I think the NFL withstood a lot of criticism earlier this month when they first announced a decision to go forward with the draft. Bad optics, bad luck. Again, even Adam Schefter, their, the, the, the you know the the preeminent butt kisser, Adam Schefter, even he was admonishing the NFL. <gasps> They're going forward with this while there's carnage in the streets. Well, they did, and it was appropriate. They had a nice PA for a PSA from Dr. Fauci. Dave Gettleman was even wearing a mask, so social distancing was practiced. It certainly was an embodiment of the times, but. It also showed us that there will, at some point, be a light at the end of the tunnel where we can worry about trivial matters like football again. So I liked it. I seldom praise Goodell or the NFL, and I'm sure I'll get back to ripping them as the weeks and months go on, and they push to open up again while it's still clearly not safe to do so. But for the meantime, the virtual draft, I think a smashing success, and good on the NFL for not kowtowing to the pressure. Glad they didn't do that. Sid Ziegler coming up on the other side. Stay with us. It's the Sports Kiki. Welcome back to the Sports Kiki podcast. We are honored this week to be joined by uh, OutSports co-founder Sid Ziegler. Sid, how are you?
1: Alex, uh, I've finally flattened the curve. I had been slowly gaining weight over the last five <laughs> weeks and so I started re- tracking my weight and oh, getting God. on the scale every day and so I have I have slow I have stopped the increase and now I'm focusing on uh, dipping back down.
0: How neurotic?
1: Not neurotic, but you know what? I mean <laughs> at my age to be honest, Alex, at my you, age, you will understand. It gets harder once it comes on to take uh-huh. it off. It gets a lot harder. So I want to get But out. I
0: see the delicious breakfast that you and your better half are making on Instagram every morning. I mean, you're eating well. I guess a little too well is the problem.
1: <laughs> like, case in point. So, you know, just dialing it back a little bit, taking uh, walks a little bit more and jogging. So
0: It's uh, good. It's good to get outside. It's important to get outside. It's... You
1: go stir crazy if you don't.
0: It's good to get out there. I find that I am working out I'll guess it's it's not as long as I did when like I could go to the gym, but I find I'm doing it more obsessively now. Like I don't take a day off at all. Whereas previously I, I would I would take like weekends off. But now, you know, I cause I feel like if I don't do anything because I'm not lift I don't know, I am like a neurotic crazy person. But anyway, uh we sound like total nut cases. Um here's what I want to talk to you about. A couple things. First of all um, you do have a piece on it's NFL draft weekend on our site right now, about Scott France, he came on my radar a couple years ago when he came out in 2017 with ESPN, he was a pretty big time college football offensive line prospect. I said, wow, you know, could this be the first, you know, real notable out college player who comes in the draft, but now it doesn't seem like so much that could be the case. What's your, what's the synopsis on Scott France for those who may not know?
1: Well, you kind of summed it up pretty well. This is a guy who started literally every game of his career at Kansas State in the Big 12. This team had success. The offense had success. Um, You you don't start all four years every game without being a really good athlete and on the NFL's radar. And so, you know, I wrote a piece in January saying that I gave him about a 99.5% chance of being on an NFL team this summer. doesn't mean he's going to make it for the season, but definitely this summer. And then the coronavirus hit, and you had guys like Bill O'Brien with the Texans saying, eh, we're just going to go with more veterans and less rookies this year because they can't do tryouts. Right. Scott also had a pretty bad pro day. And if, if I know that may sound like, well, how does one day compare to four years as a starter at Kansas State? Pro days are hugely important because NFL teams look at look at just the, the 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 raw skill they're 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 drafting, and with a guy like Scott, his numbers were really bad. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I I I'm I'm hopeful, but uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't bet my car on him being drafted.
0: Right, and you know it's like a few. I remember as recently as a few years ago, you know, if if this happened. I would be kind of bummed. I'd be like, damn, you know, I really was looking forward to, you know, seeing an openly gay player get drafted in a high, high high-ish round and really have a chance to make an impact this rookie season. But now, you know, I'm like, eh, like, if it's not Scott France, it will be somebody else. I feel like, I mean, we write every day, Sid, about athletes in high school, college coming out. It just seems like, you know, the question, when will we have our first you know, star out athlete in the pro major, you know, male sports. It's, I feel like it just, it's going to happen with the young players coming up. And that's why I just, it does it doesn't feel as big to me as it once did. I don't know your thoughts on that whole general topic.
1: Well, Scott was never going to be drafted in a high round. He he was always yeah. going to be a seventh round, maybe a sixth sure. round guy. So, yeah. um, but I think one of the reasons that we're not as invested in Scott is because Scott has made a point of staying out of the limelight. With Michael yeah, Sam, I I mean, with Michael Sam, it was very different, right? It, he came out as SEC Defensive Player of the Year a few months before the draft. It was ESP and it was the New York Times. And and so it just and it was six six years ago. So it was just so much, it was a different time then. Now Scott's stayed totally under the radar intentionally. Uh, And so I think that's why there just hasn't been a hype around him the way that there was with Michael Sam or Robbie Rogers or Jason Collins.
0: Yeah. But, you know, like earlier this, uh, a couple weeks ago, I I tweeted out a a teaser we call it for a column I wrote about uh, Jackie Robinson day and how young athletes lead the way for us in our community and, I phrase, you know, we're we are tired of waiting for the first NFL star to come out and said, let's salute the young LGBT athletes who continue to lead the way. And, you know, it leads a discussion. Are we even waiting for a star NFL player to come out anymore? I mean, does it even really matter in terms of LGBT representation in sports?
1: Well, that was kind of, yeah, I mean, you tweeted that, and I just I like got on Slack and said, oh, this is like a good topic of discussion because I've stopped yeah. wait, waiting. I think that for many years, Jim and I were waiting and we were pushing, and I just realized several years ago that this is just a waste of time and energy. It is not up to me. It's up to somebody else, and and it's just it's frustrating because there's no people five years ago. So, Oh, by definitely by 2020, you'll have, you know, multiple athletes in the major sports. We have zero. So, so, so I just, I just realized that it was, it was uh, a waste of my time and energy and emotion. And I started just out sports started focusing on those young athletes who have so many great stories to tell and are and, and we tell them frankly, better than anybody else. And, and so that's why I just, I, I, I said, Oh, I, you know, I, I'm not waiting anymore, and, and, and I, feel like, uh, I feel like most people aren't waiting anymore. It's just kind of, when it happens, it will be um, a, a good thing to celebrate.
0: Right. I mean, the world kind of moves on, you know, and there's just so much more representation across the board now than even Michael Sam's time. It's, it's almost a different universe than it was five years ago, even.
1: Yeah, because if you look outside the major men's pro sports in the United States, you have like in 2018, you had two uh, two out Olympians and Gus Kenworthy and Adam Rippon. And Adam Rippon was literally the most talked about athlete at the Olympics. And totally. Gus, Kenworthy were the, Gus Kenworthy was literally uh, the, the most endorsed athlete at the Olympics. So the, the, the two guys, they didn't walk away. Well, I guess Adam walked away with one medal. But, the, you know, they didn't have this massive wave of success. But they were the two athletes that people remember from those games, um the two male athletes anyway so so i, I think that there's been so much change that a uh, Michael Sam like makes huge announcement and having like like totally dominating the airwaves. I just don't think it would happen today if an no. NFL player made a big announcement. I think it would be a a, a a deal. I just don't think it would be a deal for six months the way it was with Michael.
0: Totally not, and I think the proof of that is look at Buttigieg in his presidential campaign. It wasn't really a big story him being openly gay. It really wasn't. Yeah, I, it's um,
1: it's it's funny, and he was out there campaigning with his husband. His husband right. was doing everything he could to 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 be in the spotlight. And I don't know if that was the media wanting to play down that he was gay, because um, they could have played it up a lot more. And I don't know if they chose if that was a choice. But again, I just—it's just not being gay just isn't as big of a deal as it no. was six years ago.
0: No, it isn't. Especially someone like Pete, who, let's face it, is pretty—you know, pretty, uh, pretty straight-laced. Let's just say. I mean, he's not—you uh, know—I mean, he canceled a, a fundraiser because there was a stripper pole in the bar. I mean, I think that's all you need to say about him. You know. <laughs>
1: God forbid! Oh,
0: I know the horror of that. I'm looking for you know I'm looking for someone wearing a harness to run for president, and we can talk. <laughs> when are we? When? When are we getting that? But and I, I don't and I think, think that, I, don't, I don't think you want Joe Biden in a harness.
1: I, I, I don't. No, I do. Call me crazy. No, call me crazy.
0: <laughs> now, which that now that is the question. Which, I mean, Trump or Biden? I'd like to see neither in a harness. Which Democratic oh. candidate would you prefer to see? That's a good topic, Sid. It's not a Which bad topic.
1: Democratic candidate would you want to see in a harness? By I, Amy mean, Klobuchar.
0: Klobuchar. <laughs> I Amy K. Not bad. I mean, I was a Bernie guy. Wouldn't like to see him in a harness. Julian Castro, maybe a dark horse. Who knows? You know, yeah, um, uh,
1: he was in my class at Stanford. I took philosophy classes with him and his brother. Really? Oh, uh, Joaquin. Yeah, they freshman yeah. year. We were, we spent the entire year together in this. Philosophy class, and, and we clashed all the time because I was a far right wing conservative Republican at the time, and they were the complete opposite. So we would clash quite a bit.
0: Who won the arguments? I, I have you no did. idea. I couldn't. I couldn't oh, remember. come on.
1: At Stanford, I was definitely in the minority in those conversations.
0: Well, I want to talk about that. So you were a hard right wing Republican.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I mean, looking back now, I think I use that in Christianity to bury being gay, you know, cause if you're, okay. if you are, and we hear about this all the time, if, if, you know, the guy who's constantly, and I I was, I did not use slurs. That was not me, but the anti-gay one is often the gay one. And that was me. And And for sure, you know, I think subconsciously or maybe even consciously I realized very early when I was in junior high school, that if I buried myself in religion, then I wouldn't be expected to have sex with a woman. And huh. I, in ninth grade, I became a very conservative Christian. I went to uh, I went to church every Sunday. I prayed every really? day, and I, you know, and and my politics followed. I became very conservative, and I, it was a, it was a defense mechanism. So I that's what that's what wow. I think it was. It was also because my parents weren't religious, I became right. the religious one in the family.
0: Were they right wing?
1: No, conservative, but I became more I was I became more conservative than my parents. I'm now That's so interesting. I'm now more liberal than my parents, but my I I they were conservative leaning, I would say. Um and they weren't Republicans. They weren't like, you know, party people. They they uh yeah and yeah. so i just i just kind of i i i really think that I use those things politics and and religion to just to bury being gay.
0: That's so interesting. I used my career i mean, I was podcasting into the wee hours of the night as like a thirteen year old i mean I was just obsessed <laughs> with my career um but what's interesting about you is you know you you're what i like about you is you you like to say crap and you tweet your opinions and you know you tweet a little bit about richie grinnell who of course is a very controversial figure uh in our community in particular um and it's interesting that what i like about you and i'm not just like smoke up your ass is like you don't give a <laughs> crap like if you tweet something compliment like grinnell had the uh initiative this week right about not you know not sharing intelligence with countries that criminalize homosexuality and for you especially a co-founder of Outsports with our audience to tweet something complimentary of a hard right winger, I think takes guts in this climate. I really think that.
1: Well, I, Rick is a very good longtime friend of mine. Uh, You know, when I was in Berlin last year, I stayed with him and his husband at the embassy and, you know, I've gotten to have conversations with Rick that other people haven't. And I understand that our, our community for some good reason, uh, really has a problem with the Republican Party. I have a problem with the Republican Party. That's why I left the Republican Party. Um, but having a guy like Rick Grinnell in the party is a good thing for us because he is there. Trust me, he's forcing conversations. And they're, they're more welcome conversations than some of us want to believe That about our community that would not be happening if he wasn't there, they weren't happening before he was. So I understand and I, you're not going to see me uh, tweet glowing reviews of 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 Donald Trump. You know, from time to time, I'll say thank you when he does something pro LGBTQ. But having Rick in that position is a good thing for us. And and it's just sad that our community can't get past an R next to his name to realize that if it's not him in that position, it's an anti-gay right wing conservative.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. As I know you get us some blowback uh tweeting some things about him. Uh he's got he's an interesting character and uh that initiative this week certainly struck me as something interesting to potentially uh look out well, for.
1: Well it's funny I I uh you know when I I actually I messaged him I said <laughs> um I I said I'm posting this on Facebook and I'm going to close the comments. And he laughed. <laughs> oh, and I, God. but I didn't. And so, and the blowback from the community wasn't as big because I think when you look at this initiative that he's trying to do, right. it's really hard to criticize him for that.
0: Right. No, it is. But even to give acknowledgement to somebody in our community who is on the other side of the aisle and may even have differing views on trans issues. Other issues in the community, you know, I think that even sometimes to even acknowledge those people gets you backlash from some people in our world. You know what I mean? And that's it, not a good thing. Isn't it a
1: shame that we are so, um, siloed that we can't we can't look past party politics? And this is why I I, I can I could never see myself being a part of a, a political party because they both have. Good things. They both have bad things. Some have more bad than others. But I, I just I, I never want to be in a position where I can't say, "Wow, that was a really good thing that Joe Biden said or, well, oh, that was a really good thing that some Republicans said. I, I want to be able to think for myself and not feel tied to a party because, frankly, not everything the Democrats do is good and not everything the Republicans do is bad. But somehow that's a conservative, right. that's, a, that's a controversial position to take in our community.
0: Well, yeah, it also doesn't help when you have all sorts of false equivalency. Like, you know, Trump says to drink bleach. Some experts disagree, <laughs> says the <laughs> New York Times. It's like, I mean, okay.
1: I talk, of course. Of course. You know.
0: Um, I want to get back real quick to the book you wrote four years ago, actually, Fair Play, which is about what we were talking about earlier, how young LGBT athletes are leading the way in terms of acceptance in the sports world. And and I, and I just think more than ever, and again, to just go back to the NFL draft with Michael Sam six years ago, what a big story that was and how the landscape has changed. I just think that's more true than ever that in our community, it really is the young people who continue to lead the way.
1: Yeah, the, and we've we've been seeing that for, you know, for 10 years. I mean, even 20 years, I look back uh 1999 when Corey johnson he was a high school football captain in massachusetts and he came out and i think it was front page of the new york times or the front page of the sports section he came out in a really nice story and it was like shocking to people that a high school football captain could be gay and you look at and it was people like Corey, and and others at the very beginning brian sims you know six to eight years later. And it's interesting that one is now the mayor, of, or, uh head of the city council in New York city. And another is a, a, a state legislator in, in Pennsylvania. Um This is, they have been leading the way since the copay Martina, Billie Jean time in the seventies and eighties. Ever since then it's been the young people who have taken the baton and, and really led the way. So I, you know, I, that's why I say I've, I said in my book, I've said many times, there will never be a gay Jackie Robinson because the, we've already, we've already advanced so far beyond, uh, you know, um, where blacks were in 1947, that there could never be that equivalent. yeah,
0: no, I totally agree. I totally agree. My um, last question for you, Sid, is you mentioned getting down into some bets, you're getting, you know, down into some shape, some shape here through quarantine. Have you been using the Tom Daly? Uh, quarantine workouts that you posted about last week you know what's
1: i have major shoulder problem
0: mm-hmm. and
1: my ability to do most exercises is incredibly limited so uh i i have things that i do from my physical therapist but you know most of the of daily's workouts i looked i watched a couple i just can't do or I can't do oh, really? without a lot
0: of pain. So um, so no, <laughs> I do my own. But at least he's nice to look at. I've been developing an uh, attraction to my Peloton instructors during <laughs> this time. So.
1: See, see, now, now there's a, 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 a tweet or a Facebook post waiting to happen. Or an outsports post. Who <laughs> picked the hottest
0: Peloton instructors? Coming next week. You All you right, go. Sid. Thank you. So thanks again go out to our co-founder, Sid Ziegler, for taking a few minutes and joining us on the podcast this week. It's always important when you get a co-founder, a superior, if you will, on the show. So thanks, Sid. A good, spirited conversation. I like Sid because he likes to say what's on his mind, and, and I always appreciate people like that. And as always, as I say each and every week, if you have a guest idea, if you have a topic idea, I want to hear it. Send me a tweet. Against my better judgment, my DMs are open. At AlexDreamer one is my Twitter handle. That, again, is at AlexDreamer one So long, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next on the podcast next Saturday.